the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. first thing that we're to do before anything else that prepares us for battling with Satan is to have a settled conviction that God's word is truth and that as we face the enemy, we face him by knowing this truth, by believing this truth, and by letting it govern every area of our life. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He is taking us on a guided tour of the Apostle Paul's inventory of the armor that God makes available to his followers. Why do we need armor? Well, quite simply, we are in a war. The first thing Paul told us to do in preparation for battle with Satan is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Gird your waist with truth. In other words, get a good grip on biblical truth so that when the enemy tries to confuse you, you will be ready. Some scholars say that Paul was referring to truth as in honesty, but that's not necessarily what he meant. Here is Pastor Steve to explain. But I'm not convinced that that's what he means by that in Ephesians 6, and I'll tell you why. My main reason for not embracing that view is that each piece of armor that Paul mentions is something that God has provided for us. It's something outside of ourselves that we are to put on. It's not something that you have within you. And honesty and sincerity are internal qualities. They come from within us. What Paul is talking about is truth that's outside of ourselves, truth that we wrap around our lives as an essential piece of clothing that that makes us ready and prepared like nothing else in hand-to-hand combat with demonic forces. The only kind of truth that can possibly accomplish this is the objective content of the Word of God. The objective content contents of God's word. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus said and meant in John 17 when he said, thy word is truth, free of any error. It is truth. And what Paul is referring to in Ephesians 6.14 is the belt of truth is a commitment to live by his truth. That's what makes us ready to face the devil's lies. It's truth. Now, let me tell you the major objection to this view, because there is a major objection. Bible teachers who hold to the view of sincerity and honesty would come back and say, but notice verse 17. I want you to look at this. Verse 17, the last piece of armor concerning clothing armor that Paul refers to is the sword of the spirit, which he defines as the word of God. And so their objection would go something like this. Paul in verse 17 mentions the word of God. Why would he have mentioned it in verse 14? He's merely repeating himself. And my response to that is this. There is a difference between the sword of the spirit 
and what he's referring to in verse 14. And we'll see this even more closely when we, when we study verse 17. But the sword of the Spirit refers not to the overall content of Scripture, but to the individual and particular portions of Scripture. As Satan throws his particular lies at you, you are to come back with particular truths of Scripture. But the belt of truth is different. The belt of truth is not, is not an individual portion of Scripture, various portions of Scripture. It is the word of God in its entirety. It is the overall content of scripture. In other words, it is a life that is governed and mastered and controlled by a commitment to live by the truths of God's word. In other words, in verse 14, you have the big picture of the content of scripture. But in verse 17, you have the the small individual uh, specific components of scripture. See, the belt of truth, having girded your loins with truth, is nothing other than a commitment to the authority of Scripture in your life. That's what he's talking about. Here's how D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of my favorite expositors, explained the belt of truth. He wrote, I interpret the word truth in this context to mean a belief in and a knowledge of the truth as it is in Christ Jesus. It is the objective truth which I possess in a subjective manner. It means a mastery of the truth, but it also means being mastered by the truth. I'm held by the truth. This is the thing that binds me and holds me together and puts me on my feet and gives me vigor and strength and power. Or to express it more particularly, it means that I do not merely look at the Bible intellectually and study it as if it were, say, the works of Shakespeare, but rather that its truth gets hold of me and governs my whole attitude uh, to the world, the flesh, and the devil, and to everything that happens. I have girded myself with it, end of quote. I agree with that. I, I think that's precisely what Paul is talking about. What he's saying here is that the first thing that we're to do before anything else that prepares us for battling with Satan is to have a settled conviction that God's word is truth, and that as we face the enemy, we face him by knowing this truth, by believing this truth, and by letting it govern every area of our life. That is precisely what the rest of the New Testament bears up. What I've told you, this interpretation is validated by the rest of Scripture. Let me take you to a few places that verify this. If you look back in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, just two chapters back, starting in verse 11, Paul speaking of the Lord Jesus himself and the gifted men that he's given to the church, he says in verse 11, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and, and teachers. Now he's talking about gifted men given to the church. The one thing all of these gifted men have in common is that they proclaim the word of God. So he's talking here about the word of God coming through these men. And why is he giving these men to the church? For the equipping of the saints, meaning the teaching of the word of God to God's people matures them, equips them, gets them ready and prepares them for serving the Lord. For the work of service, meaning your service, to the building up of the body of Christ. So the ultimate goal is that this is how the body of Christ grows as we all uh, serve and minister. Now, what about this growth? Well, verse 13 says it never ends until you're in glory. We are to grow, he says, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. In essence, what he's saying here is that we are to continue growing to be more and more like Christ 
until we perfectly attain that. And since nobody has perfectly attained that on earth, no believer, we keep doing that. We keep teaching the word of God. Why do you want to keep doing this? To protect you. Because he says in verse 14, and here's the point, as a result that we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. One of the... uh, one of the ways of a child is to be very naive. They tend to believe everything, everything that they're told, very naive. We're not to be like that. So we have those who teach us the word of God, so we will not be tossed here and there by waves carried about by every wind of doctrine. Well, who would do that? Who would do that to God's children? Satan would, the end of verse 14, by the trickery of men. By craftiness in deceitful scheming. He's talking about satanic false teachers. What protects you from Satan's lies is the teaching of the word of God. That's precisely what Paul said two chapters later in 6.14. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5. That very well-known passage in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 where he talks about our adversary the devil but we stop usually at verse 8 and don't look at verse 9 but verse 8 says be of sober spirit be on the alert be sharp be aware why he says your adversary the devil prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour but let's look at verse 9 but resist him Resist him. Well, well, Peter, how do you resist him? Firm in your faith. Now, let me give you something to note, perhaps in your Bibles. This should be translated firm in the faith. He's not talking about your personal faith. Though there is truth to that, you have to personally appropriate it. But there's a definite article in the Greek text before faith, meaning the body of New Testament truth. Whenever you see the faith in the Bible, it means God's revelation, doctrine. Peter is referring to resisting Satan by remaining firm in the Christian faith as it is revealed in the Bible. Exactly what Paul is saying. Girding your loins with the truth. With truth. John 17. What did Jesus say about this? John chapter 17, and I quoted before, but this is the uh, great high priestly prayer of our Lord as he's praying to the Father. And he's praying on behalf of his people, his disciples. He says in verse 15, I do not ask you to take them, meaning the disciples, out of the world. Don't don't take them now to heaven. Leave them here. But to keep them from the evil one, and that's from Satan. I want, and this is true of all of us. God keeps us in the world, but he doesn't want us being overpowered by Satan. Verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. We have to operate in the world, but we're not like the world. We're not to behave like unsaved people so what is it that protects us how does God keep us from the evil one what he's provided is his word that's where verse 17 comes in sanctify them in the truth your word is truth the way we are protected in the world from the evil one is by God's word because it is truth that sanctifies us sanctify simply means to set apart help you to grow the truth of God sanctifies us and it guards us against Satan's lies That's precisely what Jesus is teaching, and that's what Paul said. Girding up your loins with truth. There's another passage that I want you to see, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now, Timothy was uh, engaged in dealing with false teachers, Satan's ambassadors in the church, 
And there was, there was difficulty in dealing with them. And Paul gave him direction on how to do this. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 23. But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. Don't, don't get into arguments. Don't get into contentious debates with the unsaved over speculative issues. He explains in verse 24, for the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. Not even about the truth. We're, we're, not, we're not to be contentious. But be kind to all, able, watch this, to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. Always be kind, always be gracious. If perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, and watch this, and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. They, they were held captive by Satan's lies. What will free them is the truth. It's talking about knowledge, the truth of Scripture. You see, without being armed with God's truth, you and I have, haven't got any hope of defending ourselves against Satan's attacks. You aren't ready to engage in warfare unless you have a commitment to live by the truth. Why? Because Satan is a liar. He's a liar. And his goal is to confuse you and lead you astray from sound biblical doctrine and living. Remember what we said last week? Jesus said of Satan in John chapter 8, he is a liar. He is the father of lies, meaning, meaning that he's the source of it. He's the granddaddy of, of all liars. He's the beginning of lying. And he said that there's no truth in him. It's part of his nature. Now what Satan does to confuse us, he will take some truth and usually mix it in with his lies so that it's deceptive. There is... There is total lying. You take some truth, mix it with lying, and there's no truth. There's no truth in that paradox. And he, he does this. Now watch this. He targets your mind with his lies about God, his lies about other people. Remember, he is called the accuser of the brethren because he will accuse others to you. He will tell you how bad they are. He will raise up vain imaginations in your mind. And he will also target your mind not only about God, about other people, but about the basic issues of life. And that leads to a third question that helps us understand this first piece of armor. Question number one, what is the meaning of girding your loins? It means being prepared, be ready for battle. Question number two, what is the meaning of girding your loins with truth? It means that we get prepared for combat by the truth, by knowing and believing and using in our minds the Bible is revealed in God's word, the truth is revealed in the Bible. Now, there's a third question that helps us to understand the meaning of this expression, girding your loins with truth. Why is it so important? Why is it so essential to gird your loins with truth? Perhaps a better way to ask this question is this. Why is it so important to protect our minds with God's truth? Why is it so important to protect our mind? Your mind is very important. Your mind is the issue. The answer to that question is because Satan is a profound liar. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. He's a murderer. And it's through his lies that he primarily attacks us. You see, if he can get you to think erroneously about God, then you will behave erroneously. That's why doctrine is so critical. You never abandon doctrine. What you believe about God affects your behavior. That's why we, we emphasize doctrine, that we do exactly what Paul did, exactly what the apostles did. 
Exactly what all of God's word calls us to do. It's doctrine and then practice flows out of doctrine. Now this really shouldn't be new to us. Shouldn't be a surprise to hear this because this is precisely the plan of attack that Satan had with Eve in the Garden of Eden. And he continues to use this approach today. Know this about Satan. He is not particularly creative. Now, what he has, uh, what he has done in the past, he does today. He's not coming up with new schemes. So understand from Scripture what the pattern is. And let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. This is where it began. This is where our parents fell. And we're the recipients of that. And had we been there, we would have done the same thing. Genesis chapter 3 starts off by saying, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now immediately take note that this was not a normal serpent, not a normal snake. Snakes don't talk in human language. In fact, I don't know if they talk at all. But they uh, don't talk in human language. But this was a literal snake. Certainly, it didn't look the way it looks now. Probably a very beautiful creature. But it was a literal snake, but one that was possessed by Satan. It was demonically or satanically possessed. And I want you to note that immediately there's deception because that's what, how Satan operates. He is a deceiver. And therefore, the one who's engaging in conversation here is not just the snake, it is the devil himself. And the first thing the devil does, note this, is he raises doubts in Eve's mind about God's goodness. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Now, I want you to understand this is not an honest question. This is not an honest inquiry as to what, what did God say to you? I'd like to know. Satan knew full well what God had said. He knows the Bible and he knows what God says far better than we do. He knew all that God had told Adam and Eve about which trees they could eat from all the trees except one. So the real thought behind this, this question is this. Eve, you got to be kidding me. That's really what he's saying. You've got to be kidding me. God didn't really say that, did he? He wouldn't keep something beneficial from you and Adam, would he? This is a wicked suggestion. This is a a, a subtle and wicked accusation against God's fairness and God's goodness in his treatment of Adam and Eve. Now, God had given Adam and Eve very positive commands. Its emphasis was that you can have all except the fruit of this one tree. If you look back at chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. The Lord God commanded the man saying, from every tree of the garden you may eat freely. That's a wonderful command. You can have it all. It's very positive. It's very gracious of God. Verse 17, there's just one little restriction. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from, from it, you will surely die. And he meant spiritual death, not physical death. So God is being very gracious, saying you can have everything, but there's just one thing that I'm keeping from you. That's all. It's a very positive command. But Satan comes along And what he so often does in our lives is he twists something very positive from the Lord and he turns it into something negative. And he suggests and really charges God with withholding something good from Adam and Eve. God is not good. He does not have your best interests at heart. And folks, that is still the primary lie that the devil whispers to us. 
He tempts you to question whether God really has your best interests at heart. If God is so good, then why is your life so tough? If God really loves me, then why does he keep me in such a difficult marriage? If God really loved me, then why doesn't he give me a spouse? He knows that's what I want. If God really loved me, why did he take someone I deeply love away from me? If God is so good, then why do I have to suffer so much? If God is so good, then why does he put so many restrictions on me? Why can't I do what I want? Why does he withhold this from me? Why do I suffer? Why do I have this illness? Why do I have this problem? I thought God is is good. Listen, if Satan can get you to question God's goodness, then you aren't far from falling to another lie, for another lie. He will deceive you into believing that God who is not good cannot be trusted. Cannot be trusted. Notice verse 4. Now, this is after there's a dialogue between Eve and and the devil. And in verse 4, notice what, what Satan concludes in all this. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. You know what got my attention this week about that? Not only is this a hideous denial, an outright lie about what God had said, but notice the authority, the boldness the dogmatism with which Satan speaks. You shall not die. Isn't it interesting that false teachers have a boldness about them? You've never heard a timid false teacher. They are bold. They are authoritative. That's why they make such accusations, as we said the other week, against angelic beings. They stand up and deceive you into, into thinking that they're speaking the truth because they speak it with such dogmatism. They couldn't possibly be wrong. Yeah, they could be, and yeah, they are. And Satan was wrong, though he was so bold. You surely will not die. He didn't say, you know, I don't think so. He said, no, you'll not die. I'm telling you, you'll not die. And that's where many people will listen to these false teachers who come across with such magnetism and such boldness, and people are drawn to their style. Their style is from the devil here, speaking lies in a bold fashion. But this is an outright denial of God's integrity. And you see where Satan is going with this. If he can convince you that God isn't good and that his word can't be trusted, then he has succeeded in causing you to live apart from the word of truth. After all, who's going to live by the standards of the Bible when the Bible can't be trusted? Who's going to trust the Lord in every aspect of of your life? Decision-making, marriage, finances, relationships, ethics, sexuality, parenting, job-related issues, all that morality. When, When you have doubts about God having your best interests at heart and his integrity, who's going to do that? Who's going to have a close relationship with Jesus when in the very depths of your being, you question whether his character is perfect, wise, loving, whether he really knows what he's doing with your life? That is precisely where many Christians are. They would not outright deny God's goodness and integrity, but they have nagging doubts about it. And it prevents them from having that close fellowship. It has been well said that a believer should never doubt in the darkness what God told them in the light. Will you and I remember, or will we doubt God's love for us when faced with troubled times? This is Peter Silseth, thanking you for being a part of our class today. 
you have been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These daily radio Bible classes come to you through Verse by Verse Ministries, a faith ministry made possible by the prayers and gifts of listeners like you who are first faithful to their own churches. We are studying spiritual warfare, and our lessons are focusing on the armor of God as described in Ephesians chapter 6. Today's lesson was the middle of a three-part message. If you would like to hear the entire message at one time, please call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours so that you can order a CD or a cassette tape. That number again, 727-441-1714. You can listen to today's program as well as previous ones on our website, versebyverseradio.org. We also offer a free podcasting service and a complimentary newsletter. That's versebyverseradio.org. Come back next time to learn more about this first piece of protection God has provided for us, the belt of truth. I hope to see you then. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse. We are here to give you strength between. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.